Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We usually stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at DocWashburnShow.com. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. Every once in a while, since I'm running for governor, I have to do, go do a campaign event, which means we do the podcast later in the day. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is the 94th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to be interviewing Jan Morgan, who is running for the United States Senate, the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate in Arkansas. But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Click on the button that says become a patron. If you'd like to support my campaign for governor, Republican nomination for governor, go to our website, electdocwashburn.com. All right, all that having been said, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to welcome my next guest, Jan Morgan, who is running for the Republican nomination for United States Senate. Jan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, to give people a little bit of background, you were for a number of years an investigative reporter in television uh, in Arkansas. And when people say, oh, isn't that the lady that owns the gun range in Hot Springs? I wanted to give you the opportunity to explain, no, 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 no. What we're talking about is much more than just a gun range. Well, yeah, it's much more than a gun range. It's actually a firearms training facility. But, you know, you have a great memory because I don't, the first time you ever interviewed me, Doc, in, in Little Rock when you were working for that other station, you introduced me as the gun range owner, which is what the media generally does, the media that actually hates me. And I know you didn't hate me, but that's just what everybody referred to me as. And so that's why you did that. Right. But, uh, and I, I quickly corrected you. I said, no, actually, there's much more to me than just being a owner, an owner of a firearms training facility. So uh, what we do at my range is we, we've trained about 40,000 people from every state in America uh, over the past eight years since I've owned that facility. We teach people the skills they need to save their lives. It's just a gun range. I mean, shoot. So just wanted to clarify that. But, you know, what uniquely qualifies me for United States Senate is not just that I'm a small business owner in Arkansas, which is owner of a very successful business, by the way, but also that for 27 years of my life, I was an award-winning television investigative journalist with a specialty in exposing waste, fraud, and abuse in government. And you know as well as I do, Doc, right now, corruption in government is our biggest problem. And oh, yeah. I have a proof record of being a bold, aggressive fighter in that area. So that's why the people of Arkansas, that's one of many reasons they need to send me to D.C. to step into this ring at this time and fight that fight for them. Yeah, how have we gotten um, to, to $30 trillion in debt? I don't think people, I can't wrap my mind around that kind of money. We're talking about not just, uh, you know, shuffling this off to our uh, our children, our grandchildren, but our great-great-greats, however many. How have we gotten to this position, and why is it that even when we have a Republican president and Republicans in charge of both 
houses of the Congress, we can't seem to bring this down. I'll be glad to tell you exactly how we got this way, Doc. And it's not what you would think. Everybody wants to just blame bad politicians, political thugs in suits, for why we are this much in debt and for all the problems we have in government. But the truth of the matter is the people get the government they deserve, all right? when you Let's just take a look at our state, for example. The last time I ran in a primary election, only – now listen to this, Doc – only 18% of the registered voters in Arkansas – bothered to vote in that election, not 18% of the population, 18% of the registered voters. So what happens is when people don't get involved and engage with their government, it's the same thing as you buying a business and you hiring all of these people to work for you, you showing up the first day that all your employees are there and you telling them, okay, this is, you've been hired. I think you're the best of the best. I chose you. Here is what I need you to do. And you giving them a list of what you want them to do and then saying, Okay, I'll be back in six years to check on you. Wow. Walking away. What do you think those people are going to do? They're going to start misbehaving because it's human nature. Politicians are no different. And Americans, for too long, we, we've elected the people. We believe them. They lied to us. Politicians lie. <laughs> uh, career politicians do. Not all of them, but plenty of them. Yeah. And we, we, we put them in office believing that they are going to do what they tell us they're going to do. And then once they get there, it's like all these bad boys get together and they start misbehaving and nobody's watching them and overseeing them. So, you know, what, would, what do you think would happen to your business if you ran your business that way? and hire people, then walk away and never check on them. The people of America are going to have to get up every day and pay attention to what their politicians are doing, and then they have to stay in contact. You know, these politicians are our public servants. Right. And yet we like gods. Once they're elected, they can do no wrong. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to criticize them. We're not supposed to, you know, call them out for what they do. No, that's wrong. They're our employees. They work for us. And you, every citizen, should treat them as if, I'm the boss. You, the politician, are my employee. What are you doing? Why did you vote this way? This is not who you said you were. So, and, and we have that problem within our own party, as you very well know, because I've heard you call out misbehaving Republicans who've, who've openly defied the policies of the Republican Party platform, and yet uh, we're not to call them out. I, I was told I'm speaking in the Carroll County, Arkansas, in a few weeks, and the chairman, who's a nice guy, I like him, he's a very nice guy, and I think he's just you know, saying what he's been told, and that is that, now, Jan, when you come and speak to our committee, you know, you're not, you're not allowed to, to say anything negative about a fellow Republican. And wow. I said, wow. I, I said, Charlie, okay, so I, if I just report my Republican opponent's record, if I just, just share his record, I said, if that's a negative thing, it seems to me that that's his problem, not mine, right? I mean, I'm going to say, here's the Republican Party platform. Now, here's how this guy has voted. He's got a failing voting record from four different conservative outlets. Uh, he's voting thirty. He's voted 36% of the time with Biden's policies and confirmation on uh, his, his selections for his cabinet. And yet, I'm not supposed to, can I not say those things? If those are negative things, then what? <laughs> that seems like that's a, the problem of the, my opponent. I can understand why maybe I shouldn't stand up there and, you know, call him names, although Trump did that, and it worked, right? Yeah, yeah Trump names. Trump did do that. You're right. Yeah, I think that we, we've come to a time in our country where we're going to have to play hardball. Uh, playing nice guy doesn't work anymore. And I said on my mm-hmm. Facebook page the other day, I, I tried playing nice. That doesn't work anymore. I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to call people out. And if people get mad about it or kick me off the podium or whatever, then just so it. 
Yeah. Um, well, you know, one of the things I've that, noticed, uh, uh, one of the things I've noticed in, in the polling on Senator Bozeman six years ago and the polling of Senator Bozeman uh, this year, a number of people don't know who he is. Right, because that's, he's a, he is known for being a very quiet, nice guy. Uh, you know, very, very congenial. And, and while that, that people feel good about him, you know, a friend or whatever, we're, we're not, we don't need friends in D.C. right now. We need fighters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> our country is under attack. We are in a war, and our country is being attacked from within. I'm not concerned about uh, all of these other countries invading us, although that's what's happening, but they're using our own constitution against us. They, they've been invading our country for years right under our politically connect, correct noses. Uh, China has been buying up America. Political thugs and suits have been selling us out to the highest bidder, and, and foreign countries are buying our land. They're buying our politicians. Uh, they're buying our institutions of higher education <laughs> and and then using that to influence our next generation. So uh, we've got to start calling out the problem for what it is. And the truth of the matter, Doc, is we have a huge pandemic and the epidemic in America is not COVID-19. It is apathy and ignorance of the people. We have got to... We have to put in the effort, we have to pay attention, we have to get involved, and we have to engage with our government. Government that is engaged by the people and controlled by the people is going to do less government and more work for the people. So less what, government is better government. So um, what, are, what are some of the, the big issues uh, that propelled you to, uh, to challenge Senator Bozeman in the Republican primary? What are some of the big issues that you just think he's just getting wrong? So, how much time do you have, Doc? How long is this show? Um, well, yeah. we we can we can go another twenty, thirty minutes. I mean, how long do you want? As long as you want to stay on. Yeah, so I could be here all day, but okay. Uh, the the main things are his voting record. That, that what what prompted me to even start really investigating his record is January sixth. Yeah, because I was in Washington D.C. on January sixth. I went to hear our president's speech. I was at the Ellipse. I never went to the U.S. Capitol. I just went to the Ellipse. I listened to the president. And then I walked back to my hotel, put on my pajamas to see the media's version of what the president said. And instead, of course, I saw what happened at the U.S. Capitol. And I was as shocked as everyone else because, Doc, I was there all in that crowd. I never heard one whisper of when this is over, we're all going to go to the Capitol and do this, you know, these three, these things. Yeah. Um, so at any rate, that when when uh, John Bozeman came out and he blamed President Trump for what happened on January 6th, he did that on his Facebook page February 13th. It's still there. The last time I checked, his post is still there. Not only did he blame President Trump for January 6th, he also said and was quoted in the newspaper saying that uh, Trump could be criminally investigated and criminally prosecuted for his role in January 6th. And he said, I would not have done what he did. Wow. But what did he do, John? What did he do, John? Uh, he he took he also bosom buddies with Liz Cheney, and he took that opportunity to side with Democrats and and get on the bully bully bandwagon against uh, Donald Trump. He also decided to to to, uh, to accept the electoral college votes from those states where there were strong allegations of voter fraud, in spite of the fact that a majority of our Kansans. Uh, called in, messaged in, and said, "We don't want this. We want, we want to, we want some time to check into these these allegations because they were very strong." Yeah. He also he also has a failing voting record from four different conservative outlets. Four outlets. The John Birch Society says eighty three percent of his votes have been in violation of the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Wow. He also 
He also has voted 36% of the time with Joe Biden's policies and, and uh, confirmations, nominees. Tom Cotton has only voted 17% of the time. So John Bozeman has doubled the amount of support for the Biden administration than Senator Tom Cotton. For example, I can't, I mean, I can't believe he's done this, knowing he has an opponent. He voted to confirm Pete Buttigieg for Secretary of Transportation. Pete Buttigieg, and I know I'm mispronouncing his name, but I did it on purpose. Pete Buttigieg wants to tax Americans for every single mile they drive on our highways. Good grief. He also voted Tom Cotton, Tom Cotton didn't vote for her for her for his confirmation. So why did Bozeman do that? Why? If he doesn't know how to vote, I wish he would just walk across the hall and ask Senator Cotton, so how should I vote on this? Because he can't seem to get it right. He also voted to confirm the nomination of Linda Thomas Greenfield for UN ambassador. Now, I knew I knew in advance that she would be an international embarrassment. And everybody apparently knew she she is she has gone on nationally in a speech and said that America's founding documents are weaved with white supremacy. She is a racist America hating apologist, just like Barack Obama. She is an extension of the Obama administration. And yet John Bozeman voted to confirm her. And wow. since then, she has been more of an international embarrassment. Tom Cotton didn't vote for her confirmation. So how can we have two senators from Arkansas who are supposedly representing the voice of the people, but they they are so opposite on so many of their votes? I'll tell you why. John Bozeman has been in D.C. too long. He's been there 21 years. We need term limits. I signed the term limits pledge. He'll never sign it because he wants to. He wants to retire there. He wants to. I guess he he thinks the U.S. Capitol is a retirement home, and it's not. So we need term limits, and he's a perfect example of why on for hours, but the, the latest thing he's done that just really irritated me, I mean, I, I just can't believe that he said this, and it's, it's on his Facebook page today, even today. He, he called what's happening at our border, Doc, a disturbing trend, quote, a disturbing trend. Good grief. No, sir. You can't acknowledge what the problem is, then you can't properly deal with the problem. What's happening at our border, Senator Bozeman, is not a disturbing trend. It is an enemy invasion. And on that note, I have called for the arrest of Joe Biden on charges of treason for aiding and abetting an enemy invasion of our border. Yeah, you know, you got a good point there because the Constitution says that the president, one of the president's uh, responsibilities is to protect the country from invasion. And that's exactly what's going on on the southern border. Of course it is. I went down there. Bozeman's too scared to go down there. I went down there. I took my camera. I rolled live. We took people unescorted. I didn't have to have the police. I didn't have the security escorting me. But me and a few buddies, one guy with America's Voice News, we took our camera and our guns and ammo, <laughs> and we went all the way down to the river. Uh, even when the National Guard approached us, the National Guardsmen approached us in the dark of night and said, uh, ma'am, you can't be here Excuse me, what are you going to do? Throw me out because right over there, 20 yards away, there are 15 illegals that just crossed the, the, crossed the river in front of you. So you're more concerned about me, an American citizen, right here trying to show people what's going on than you are those guys? No, I'm not going anywhere. I came down here to see this and to show the people this, and I'm not leaving. And, of course, he left me alone. And wow. we got the video we want. Uh, and people were shocked at what we showed them. So, uh, you know, he's he's – he, this is just not the time for go along to get along, guys, Doc. It's not the time, and we need fighters. And I'm the only one in this race, Doc. If you don't hear anything else I hear today, and you're hear anything else I, I say today, I need you to hear this. I am the only candidate in this race, incumbent included, with a proven record 
of successfully outmaneuvering the Biden administration to help get laws passed to protect Arkansans from federal unconstitutional overreach. And I have done that in the areas of illegal immigration, election integrity, medical freedom, and Medical freedom. I'm sorry, you were breaking up a little bit. Medical freedom and what? And gun rights. Yeah, I, I know that you have been um, at the state legislature uh, a lot to try to get the attention of the people there uh, to pass good bills to protect our rights. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I have. For example, uh, well, one of the one of the bills that got passed, by the way. It was actually my own bill, and a lot of people in Arkansas don't realize that as a citizen, you can actually get bills passed. If you if you can find a state senator and a state representative to carry your bill through the House and the Senate, you can get a bill passed, and I did. And here's the interesting thing. In spite of the fact that the media wants to portray me as such a far-right wing uh, extremist, <laughs> uh, how is it that I was able to get a bill passed for veterans that got unanimous support from all the Democrats and the Republicans in our state legislature. How often does that even happen for any elected official? And here I am, not even an elected official, and I got a bill passed for veterans. But, yeah, on the, on the issue of election, we saw what was coming uh, a couple of years ago. I got a call from Lance Hines, who was on the city council of Little, of Little Rock. He's still there. And he said, Jim, we've got a problem. Now, first of all, Doc, why did he call me? And talk to me about this instead of a state senator or state rep. I'll tell you why. Because he knew I would blow this situation up and get something done about it. So I did. He said, we've got over 1,100 illegals that have been given state-issued photo IDs by the city of Little Rock. Oh, and, Doc, you know what you can get done with a, a, salad, a valid state-issued photo ID? You can, you can, you can, you can get everything done. You can be, you're, you're close to becoming a U.S. citizen. So I took that went to Representative Brant Smith and State Senator Gary Stubblefield, and we got a bill pushed through that would uh, prohibit sanctuary cities in our state. In other words, if you are a city and you, and you engage in any sanctuary city policies, or if you're an institution of higher education, because we've had some issues with that too, if you engage in any sanctuary city policies, you will be in violation of state law. And not only that, we put teeth behind it. You're going to lose your state funding, because sometimes money is the only way you can control this these uh, out-of-control entities, and that's what we did. And it worked. And Senator Stubblefield, to this day, he stood up on a stage in front of a a crowd in uh, Waldron, Arkansas, at a candidate's forum, and he said, people, I just want everybody here to know, if Jan Morgan had not gotten in the middle of that fight, I don't believe we could have gotten that that bill passed because the governor didn't want it. So here I am, a citizen. And if if I can take what I did and wield the power of the people, because I couldn't do it without the people, Doc, uh, I have a little process that I use when I need to to get a bill pushed through a committee, and we've got misbehaving Republicans. What I do is I take that bill to the people on my Facebook pages. I put I put the pictures, the email addresses, and the cell phone numbers of the misbehaving Republicans on that issue, and I say, okay, folks, you want Arkansas to become the next uh, California, the next sanctuary state? If you don't, these are the three Republicans who are voting the wrong way on this bill. Wow! I need you to call them, email them, and so many. There were so many phone calls and emails. If those legislators called Senator Stubblefield after they had voted against the bill and said, please bring this bill back for the committee tomorrow, I'll vote. I need to get these people off my back. So the people and I have this working relationship that is very powerful, and I will take that same process to D.C. to apply the pressure because, once again, the people don't have time to stay on top of these politicians, but I'm doing it, and I'm, I'm, I'm letting them know when the guys are misbehaving, and then they respond, and then things get done. Well, that's excellent. That is excellent. We're talking to Jan Morgan, 
who is running for the Republican nomination for United States Senate. The primary is May 24th. Uh, Jan, what are some of the big issues that you would tackle if you get elected to United States Senate? Oh, doctor, so many. We, we've got so many problems. Uh, I think the most pressing issue, obviously, is illegal immigration. And well, there's two illegal immigration and election integrity. We can't afford when Donald Trump ran for office, we had more people, I think, just about than ever in history actually get out and vote. Uh, my husband is one of those people. He had not voted in 25 years. I mean, he had just given up on the wow. whole process. But he, he jumped back in when Donald Trump got in the race. He said, you know, it's the first time in 25 years I've, I've voted. And I was like, wow, thank you. I don't want to lose those people. And so many of those people feel that there's no use in voting anymore because of voter fraud. And I understand why people feel that way. But this is not the time to pull away from the fight. More than ever, this is the time to roll up your sleeves and get to the table and fight like never before. So election integrity, we've got to to bring back a, a process without federalizing elections. I'm a strong supporter of state rights. And I don't want the federal government uh, telling our state what how we can and can't run our election process. Can right. you imagine if Joe Biden had his way, how we would be handling elections in Arkansas? So so we need to maintain states' rights. But at the same time, we've got to have uh, certain general things in place that I think anybody should agree with. And uh, Donald Trump came out with an America First agenda on the election process that I thought was very reasonable. And some of those included no more ballot harvesting, no more ballot harvesting. Uh, you must be a United States citizen. I mean, who would question that? Why would anyone who's, who can't prove that they're a United States citizen be voting? I don't want non-citizens voting in our elections. That's, they're just some very standard things. You must provide a photo ID. You have to provide a photo ID to write a check at the grocery store, for yeah. goodness sakes. Yeah. What's wrong with a, photo, a valid state-issued photo ID to vote? and proof of U.S. citizenship. Some very simple things like that, I think, would help us. And we still have issues in Arkansas, by the way. We, uh, I think uh, Secretary of State Thurston has done a lot on this front, and I appreciate his efforts. But it's a, it's a process, and I know it's a lengthy process. And, and uh, Arkansas was, had an F rating before uh, Secretary of State Thurston came on board. So I'm anxious to see what all he's done. I know he's made some progress, and that would be a whole show for you at some point to talk to him about you know, what he's done to clean up the election process because um, I think he's made some good strides in that area. Yeah. But election integrity has to be dealt with. And, of course, illegal immigration. You know, you cannot continue to allow people to come across our borders and as if we have no we have no border and take over this country. I saw, Doc, firsthand what happens when the Mexican drug cartels team up with uh, terrorist organizations I've seen what they do to the cities along our border, and I know that that is coming to every city in America if we don't stop it. Yeah, it's like every state has become a border state. You know, there, there's an organization out there in Europe called the World Economic Forum that came out a while back and said, by the year 2030, you won't own anything and you won't have any freedom, but you'll be so much happier. And apparently... <laughs> Part of the way they want to get there is by setting up some kind of social credit score uh, in our financial system. Maybe you could tell my listeners a little bit about that and what you would do in the United States Senate to fight back. Well, all you have to know is uh, I, I, I'm, I'm the gal who says we, we need to even pull out of the uh, U.N. Uh, I am I, not a globalist. Right. I don't want any global organization making any decisions 
regarding the United States of America and our citizens. I did not want, I did not want, uh, any of our presidents to ever sign that, the, the treaty that would have given, for example, our gun rights. Remember Hillary Clinton had said she was gonna, well it was, uh, excuse me, Hillary Clinton was gonna be sent to the UN to sign a, a treaty that would have given a UN entity, uh, authority over our gun rights. Yeah. Anytime you let a foreign body determine any kind of system that we operate under in America, that is something I would never support, never agree with, ever. Uh, the United States of America needs to be, we are a constitutional republic. We have a representative form of government. We don't elect people in other countries to, to be our uh, lawmakers and decision makers. So, uh, you know, it, what people need to know about me is I'm not a globalist, period. Amen. Amen. That is, that is fanta- fantastic. Well, we are, Doc, right now. Look at, here we about what's happening in the Ukraine and how that's going to impact America. Oh, my goodness, everything's going to go up. Our supply chain is going to be even even more broken than it is now. Our prices are going to go up because we're not, we depend on this country and that country. We need to be completely energy independent. We need, we need to be completely independent of all foreign nations in every area, every single area, because then no matter what happens around the world, America is not going to stumble and fall to our knees because suddenly everything that we use involves parts from China. Right. Uh, got to stop. We've got to stop letting foreign governments buy large chunks of our land in America, buying our farms. Uh, China, for example, what happened in Afghanistan? People said, "Oh my gosh, Joe Biden made such a huge mistake." That wasn't a mistake. He's not. He's not a fool. What he did in Afghanistan was part of the plan all along, Doc. It was giving Afghanistan to China. Joe Biden and his son are in bed with China. Right. Too many of our politicians are in bed with China. The SIM cards, the chips, uh, they, they've crippled our country. All of these things that we depend on from China. Uh, Chase, my one of my uh, campaigns, trying to buy a new vehicle. And he's been complaining about, you know, but they can't even get a vehicle in because they can't get the chips. I mean, how is it that we ever got to this point in America? Why is it that we are so dependent? It scares me to death that China controls most of our pharmaceuticals, most of the products that we need to make our, uh, that, that meet most of the pharmaceutical needs of the citizens in this country. I mean, we, they're, we're complaining about what they did with uh, co- the coronavirus. What, how easy would it be for them to do something to our pharmaceuticals and and it's never know until it's too late. America needs to be, when I say I'm an America first candidate, what I mean by that is America first in everything and that we become completely independent of foreign nations for anything and everything that we need. We have everything we need in this country. We just need to start producing on our own. We need to open up our pipelines again and become independent. And what Joe Biden has done, every move he has made is because, is part of the the plan to destroy this country from within. And anybody who believes is totally Okay, I'm sorry, you're breaking up on me. Uh, after you said, uh, you know, to destroy this uh, country from within, you, you kind of broke up on me. I'm sorry for the technical difference. What I mean is, if I were going to, if I were going to make a list of all the things I needed to do to, do to destroy America, I would do exactly what Joe Biden is doing. I mean, he has gone down the list perfectly in order of how to destroy America. He's doing it. Yeah. And, well, and he, it's not going to say he's ignorant. No, he's not. 
he didn't get where he is by being ignorant, okay? He's controllable, and he's being controlled, and he's in bed with China. He's in bed with everybody who's against America. Yeah, and, and you know, when you look at it, all the stuff that's come out about his son, I mean, obviously, uh, Hunter and Joe are being blackmailed by China, mm-hmm. by Russia, by who knows who. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm so glad that you are challenging Senator Bozeman because he's one of many in Congress who are not trying to push back. No, of course not, because he's part of the swamp. You know, the, the, the people in D.C. who hated President Trump, like Mitch McConnell, for example, I, have, I was one of the first U.S. Senate candidates in America to come out from day one and say I would not support Mitch McConnell for Senate Majority Leader. Mitch McConnell is the primary reason many of the policies that the American people handed to Donald Trump and said this is what we want you to do and that he set out to do were not able to be accomplished because of Mitch McConnell and Republicans, not Democrats but Republicans, or people who say they're Republicans, but they're part of the swamp, and the swamp likes to keep things as they are because the swamp benefits financially. Individual people benefit financially by keeping things the way they are. Uh, in this case, that you know, Bozeman is part of the problem because he has benefited from being a part of the swamp. Yeah, he certainly has. And i got to tell you, you know, I, I want to go back to something you said earlier that just, uh, I think, stunned a lot of people. For John Bozeman to say a few weeks after January 6th that President mm-hmm. Trump could be prosecuted for whatever happened at the Capitol that day, I mean, mm-hmm. that is outrageous, and it makes me wonder if maybe he's getting the dementia like Joe Biden is, because that's a crazy thing to say. It is. He, he, he didn't say just prosecuted. He said criminally. Criminally investigated and criminally prosecuted for his actions on January 6th. That is a very, and he called, he called January 6th, most men called January 6th one of the darkest days in America's history. That is appalling to me. I, uh, uh, 9-11, Pearl Harbor, December 7th, th- those were some of the most darkest days of America's yeah. history. Not January 6th. He, was, he simply spent most of his time after January 6th regurgitating regurgitating Democrat talking points and piling on our president with the, with the Democrats and the rest of the rhinos. That, that is, that, that was the final straw with, uh, doc. I, I was not even entertaining the possibility of running for office again, ever. I mean, I was, I was, I was three running for office and, and the more I listened to him and watched him, the more angry I became. And I, I honestly, I've never even paid attention to him. You never, you never, and here's, here's one of the greatest compliments I saw written by a newspaper uh, editorial writer who was summing up the poll that you referred to earlier yeah. regarding Bozeman, said Bozeman came in with a 31% approval rating, a 38% disapproval rating, and the rest of our Kansans said, who? They didn't even know who he was. And he tried to, the, the editor tried to make excuses for Bozeman. He said, well, you know, Bozeman, he always wins, though. In the end, he wins his races. Well, he's never faced a challenger like me, Doc. But he always wins his races. Uh, he, he's, you know, unlike Tom Cotton, Tom Cotton is very uh, verbal. He's very uh, public. He is out there. He challenges issues. He, you know, he's a very outspoken, aggressive fighter in D.C. You know, on the other hand, Bozeman is a very quiet, uh, congenial kind of guy. You just don't hear much from him. And the editorial writer said this, Doc. He said, now, 
Bozeman does have a challenger, Jan Morgan, who is more like Trump. She is very bold. She is very public. She is very aggressive, and she is a fighter. And if she wins this Senate seat, folks, she will make Tom Cotton look like John Bozeman. Wow. I wow. thought that was the greatest compliment by a media person who really was it was out to try to not support me, but in essence, he actually said something that uh, I will never forget. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jan, uh, we're rooting for you. We're, we're, we're cheering you on. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, for our, our listeners in um, in uh, central Arkansas, can, can I say uh, where you're going to be tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow. Where am I? Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, that is canceled now? Yeah. They just canceled it because of weather. I was supposed to be speaking to a bunch of women, Republican women, I think concerned women of Arkansas. They were doing a fundraising event for me uh, at the Pleasant Valley Country Club in Little Rock. But we have canceled it. They postponed it because of the weather conditions. And I think it'll be rescheduled. So I'll tell you about more about that um, when it's rescheduled. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very good. Now, if people are hearing you today and saying, that's the kind of fighter we need in the United States Senate, uh, how do they find out more about your your campaign and, and how do they contribute? Okay. Jan, J-A-N, Jan for Senate, Jan, F-O-R-S-E-N-A-T-E, Jan for Senate, all one word, all small letters, dot com. Jan for Senate dot com. Takes you to my website. You can donate. My platform is also there. Everything you need to know about me, my bio. And also, if you want to keep up with what I'm doing and what I'm stirring up, and I am always stirring stuff up and challenging the senator. And by the way, Doc, if for no other reason, people should vote for me for this. I have been challenging Senator Bozeman since I got in this race to debate me, to debate me in a Lincoln-Douglas format debate. Just Bozeman and Jan Morgan face-to-face, one-on-one, debating the issues. He needs to answer for his record. I want to talk about his record. And if he's not ashamed of it, then he should be proud to step on a stage and defend it. He refuses to debate me. In fact, he refuses to even acknowledge my existence. But uh, he's going to have to because the people are rising up, and they're getting angry that he won't debate me. And on that note, I think the Republican Party of Arkansas should be uh, calling for and, and actually holding statewide televised debate in all of the statewide races because there are so many people that are not on Facebook, they're not on social media, and they don't have a way to hear and see all the candidates. And unless you're a multimillionaire, which I'm not, and I'm not getting the millions of dollars in donations, I'm getting a lot of donations, which is wonderful, from thousands and thousands of Arkansans and people around America. However, I'll never be able to get the kind of money that Bozeman is getting. Why? Because he takes a big donation from Big Pharma, like Pfizer, and then he goes around the state and pushes a shots and arms tour while I'm at the state capitol fighting for the individual citizen's right to choose whether or not to get a vaccine. Wow. You see, that is no more clear def- distinction between the two of us than, than that issue right there. But uh, So people need to come to my Facebook page, Jan Morgan, or Jan for Arkansas, Jan Morgan for Arkansas, uh, and just follow me on social media because I keep you posted on the issues. And every day, once again, I continue to challenge the senator to a debate. It's the right thing to do for the people to give them a chance to see who he is and who I am. I could never support somebody who's taking money from Pfizer. Not with everything we know about these vaccines. There's well, just no way. See filing doc, which is public record, uh, his donations are from political action committees. Most all of his donations come from big political action committees. These are lobbyists that are owned by big business, which campaign reform is something else we need to address. Uh, you shouldn't have to have, raise $13 million to run for office. 
in any state. Uh, it, that the kind of, for example, in my race, it, it costs twenty thousand dollars just to file as a Republican to run for a U.S. Senate seat yeah. in Arkansas. Yeah. If you are a Democrat; it only costs five thousand dollars. The political parties set the fees, and we are we have some of the highest highest filing fees in America. That discourages regular folks from running for office. And, Doc, we need more regular folks. We need to get away from career politicians. We need regular folks who understand what it's like to live and work and try to survive out here under these oppressive, tyrannical laws and excessive taxes that our out-of-control government is putting on us. And we need people from all walks of life. We need school teachers. We need doctors. We need homemakers. We need people from – we need radio disc jockeys. (laughs) We need talk show hosts. Well, (laughs) speaking of which – I haven't said this publicly anywhere before right now, but I want to thank you for inspiring me to run for governor because, you know, when we talked, I, I, I told uh, over two weeks ago, I told you the th- same thing I've always told everybody, which is, look, you got the wrong guy. I, I'm not I'm not the guy. I'm never going to run for office. And what you said mm-hmm. just stopped me in my tracks. You said, look, you don't understand. We're about to lose this country. Good people like mm-hmm. you need to stand up and run for office. You need to talk to your wife and pray about it. Well, nobody had mm-hmm. ever told me that before. Everybody's like, oh, okay, well, sorry, gee, I wish you'd run. Um, but so I'm thinking, well, I can talk to my wife and pray about it. And the next thing I knew, 48 hours later, I'm announcing the Saline County Republican Women's Club. If the Lord provides the money for the filing fee, and we're almost there, um, then I'm going to file. I'm running for governor. And and I am. I, I can't thank you enough for having the courage to be the first person who ever tried to get me to run for office to say the right things to get me to consider it. So I I, I will always remember you for that, and I really appreciate it. Well, you bet, Doc. You know, I, I want people to, to run for office. I, I've, I've encouraged people. I've made phone calls, personal phone calls to people all over the state, encouraging them to run for office because uh, until citizens rise up, we can't take our government back. We've got to get past this notion that you have to be a career politician in order to be to be qualified to run for office. That's not what our founding fathers intended. They never intended to, for people to run for office and then never leave. It, we should have a constant rotation, a consistent rotation of fresh new faces from all walks of life. We need farmers uh, in, in D.C. We need we need uh, former police officers. We need uh, we need teachers. We we need a very diverse group of people. Uh, who bring a wealth of, of knowledge from very diverse backgrounds to the table to make decisions for our for our country related to government uh, because the, from, because they've lived in those experienced positions instead of career politicians who get stay in D.C. so long they get detached from their constituency what is which is what has happened to so many of them and they forget what it's like to live in the real world that the rest of us live in. Um, our founding fathers never intended it to become a career. It's a, it's a public servant position, and the people who serve us should have a public servant mentality, not a I rule over you mentality. And that's why if, if people will elect me to be their United States senator from Arkansas, I think it will be the first time in this state's history where they will actually see what it's like to have a U.S. senator with a, with a warrior's heart but a public service disposition. Amen. I'm the I back and hold town hall meetings for the citizens of this state in every congressional district. I will face the citizens, not since that. I will face, not just meet with people who give me money for my campaign. I will meet in town hall meetings and face the constituents 
and say, you know, how is it working for you? What am I doing and not doing? How do you feel about the job that I'm doing so far? I want to be accountable to the people, and I need to be able to constantly stay in touch with them and listen to them about uh, how the government is affecting their lives. You know, to me, that's what you do as a public servant, and I will do that. And I'm also planning, if I win this seat, to take our Kansans with me to D.C. to serve on my staff instead of using D.C. insiders. Uh, that's, you know, that's what most politicians do. They use D.C. insiders to hire people from within the swamp. How is that going to fix things? I want to, I want to take our Kansans with me to D.C. Uh, to serve on my staff so that uh, the, the people, when my staffers are talking with people around the state, It'll be the people in this state will know that they're talking to our Kansans, not people from D.C. that don't understand what it's like to live and work here. And my guess is, I don't think I'm going too far on a limb here, that if you're elected to the United States Senate from the state of Arkansas, you would vote against Mitch McConnell as Republican leader in the Senate. Now, Doc, were you not listening to me? I've already said that. <laughs> I said that it just about two well, minutes ago. Well, you said, said you, you said how awful Senate. he was. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I apologize. I, yeah, I first U.S. Senate candidate to announce and come out saying from the very day I announced that I would not support Mitch McConnell for Senate Majority Leader. There you I go. I said that on national. Yes. There you go. Okay. Well, well, in in my ham-handed way, I, I got you to reiterate it. I apologize. All right. <laughs> All right. It's so com. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's what I, I was just repeating you, com. Thank you so much, Doc, for giving me the chance to visit with you and your audience. Jan Morgan, God bless you. Thank you very much. Godspeed, and we hope to see you out there on the campaign trail. Have a great day. Yes, sir. So, Thank yes, you. So. All righty. I tell you what. I tell you what. She's a pistol. She, she's a fireball. And... um I had to give her credit. I had to give her credit for being the inspiration, for encouraging me to run for governor. I've said before publicly what somebody said to me, but uh, I didn't say who it was until just now. I texted her yesterday said, is it okay if I mention you by name instead of just quoting you anonymously? She's like, yeah, I'm an open book. Absolutely. Not a problem. All right. Now, um, I want to say how blessed we are here on the Doc Washburn Show to have advertisers who support us. And, of course, the views and opinions on the Doc Washburn Show uh, do not necessarily are not necessarily always agreed upon by our advertisers, but we love them and they love us. They, yeah. How do you say it? the views and opinions do not necessarily reflect the views of the advertisers, but we love them and they love us. So Jan alluded to this a little bit earlier. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage. You may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know and people Jan knows have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, 
Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button on it that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. I sure am. I just bought a car from them Monday. 2013 Honda Accord, only 85,000 miles on it. Man, you could you could drive that. I mean, Hondas and Toyotas, you could put three or 400,000 miles on it. But anyway, um, it was the quickest I've ever bought a car before. Uh, you know, people a lot of times complain the thing that bothers them the most is how long it takes. Didn't take much time at all. And we got the deal done, and the people were so nice to me. I actually, instead of buying online, I actually went to one of the Red River lots here in Arkansas. And uh, everybody was fantastic. All right, one more before we get back to content. Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you need to get a hold of my friend Art Wilborn. His website is called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. You click on the website, the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No co-pays. Big red button says schedule call now. You click that button, you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn, who makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and also makes sure your personalized health coverage doesn't force you to cover awful stuff like abortion that would violate your deeply held religious beliefs, like some of those Obamacare plans do. Again, the website is MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Click the big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, now, the great Julie Kelly has dropped another article at American Greatness. So i got to share it with you. It's entitled, Trudeau-style tyranny is already here. Subtitle, as freedom lovers justifiably recoil at Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's crackdown, Americans worry it could happen here. They're too late. It already has. She says in a recent court motion, Joe Biden's Justice Department changed the official name of its investigation into the protests at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. Originally designated the Capitol Breach Probe, the department just replaced breach 
with a more sinister word, siege. The capital, siege, refers to the events of January 6, 2021, when thousands of individuals entered the U.S. Capitol and U.S. Capitol grounds without authority, halting the joint session and the entire official proceeding of Congress for hours. Now, that's what Matthew Graves, the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, wrote in a footnote to a filing with the court on February 10th. U.S. Attorney Graves commended Capitol and D.C. Metro Police for what he said, clearing the Capitol of rioters that afternoon. But courtroom rhetoric isn't the only thing Graves is heating up. The Justice Department has opened a capital siege section in the agency's criminal division and wants to hire at least 20 more lawyers to help prosecute Americans for any involvement in what happened on January 6th. Qualified attorneys will be employed on a temporary basis and can earn as much as $176,000 per year. Capital siege prosecutors will complement an army of thousands of Justice Department employees, including FBI agents from 56 field offices across the country, handling what Attorney General Merrick Garland warned is the biggest investigation in the department's history. More than 730 people have been arrested so far, amounting to more than three times the number of federal arrests related to the 2020 mostly peaceful riots. Remember? The media called them mostly peaceful riots, lasted for months, resulted in far more deaths and destruction, and the first major trial of a January 6th defendant starts next week. As freedom lovers justifiably recoil at Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's crackdown on vaccine mandate protesters, Americans worry the same sort of political retribution could happen here. I'm sorry to report it already has. The scenes from Ottawa are matched or surpassed by the images here, including thuggish cops attacking January 6th protesters with mace and explosive devices. The difference? Instead of mounted police trampling a woman, ours merely shot and killed one woman and beat up a few more. What the Trudeau regime is now unleashing against the truckers and their supporters has been underway in America for more than a year. Using January 6th as a pretext, the Biden regime is brandishing its authority to crush political dissent. Now it appears Trudeau and his apparatchiks are stealing the U.S. Justice Department's playbook of power and pain. The comparisons are stark. Take, for example, the words of Steve Bell, acting chief of the Ottawa Police Department. He told a reporter over the weekend how the government will hunt down those who stand in defiance of Trudeau's vaccine mandates. During a press briefing on February 19th, Steve Bell said, if you were involved in this protest, we'll actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions and criminal charges, absolutely. He said this investigation will go on for months to come. It has many, many different streams from a federal level, from a financial level, from a provincial licensing level to a criminal code level, from a municipal breach of court under level uh, to, uh, pardon me, a municipal breach of court order level. He says it will be a time-consuming and complicated investigation that will go on for a period of time. Bell further promised he would hold accountable, quote, 
those who took over our streets, unquote. Now, rewind to January 12th, 2021, in a press conference in our nation's capital, featuring Stephen D'Antuono, chief of the, of the D.C. FBI field office, who detailed how federal, state, and local law enforcement plan to capture and charge anyone involved in the four-hour disturbance. After noting that the FBI doesn't do easy, that's a quote, Dan Tuono, fresh off executing the apparently FBI-concocted kidnapping plot of Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer's Gretchen Whitmer to generate bad pre-election headlines for Donald Trump, he warned Americans of what was to come. This FBI field office chief in Washington, D.C., Dan Tuono, who had been the field office chief in Detroit when the FBI concocted the kidnapping plot of the governor up there. He said, and I quote, this is a 24-7 full bore and extensive investigation into what happened that day. He said, I want to stress that the FBI has a long memory and a broad reach. So even if you've left D.C., agents from our local field offices will be knocking on your door if we find out you were part of the criminal activity at the Capitol, unquote. Except the FBI didn't knock on doors. It kicked them in. Hundreds of Americans have been awakened before dawn by dozens of armed FBI agents and military-style vehicles to capture even nonviolent protesters. FBI Director Christopher Wray declared January 6th an act of domestic terrorism and, as I explained in my new book, aimed government tools reserved to fight foreign terror threats against Americans on the political right. After January 6th, defendants were hauled off to jail post-arrest. The Justice Department demanded pre-trial detention for at least 100 citizens based on the premise that any participation in January 6th rendered the accused a domestic terrorist. Some have languished for over a year in a political prison set aside for January 6th defendants as they await trials that the Justice Department repeatedly delays while it conceals evidence and fabricates certain charges to support the so-called insurrection narrative. Legal fees and job losses have bankrupted families. Banks and online service providers such as Airbnb and DoorDash dropped customers simply for being charged in the January 6th investigation. GoFundMe, as in the case of the Canadian truck convoy, banned fundraising appeals for January 6th families. Children have turned on their parents. The FBI continues to encourage relatives, co-workers, and neighbors to rat on anyone they know who went to the Capitol on January 6th. Big tech companies work hand-in-hand with the FBI to match cell data with a phone's owner to help identify more suspects and scour deleted social media accounts to find critical memes of Joe Biden and Democrats uses evidence in court. Broken men and women with no other option, plead guilty to low-level misdemeanors such as parading in the Capitol in an attempt to end their legal torture, only to be sentenced to prison time by judges of both political parties who then berate them from the bench as if they had committed the most heinous of crimes. Biden, like Trudeau, refers to protesters as white supremacists and Nazis while hiding from his own countrymen. Access to downtown Ottawa was restricted and Parliament Hill was off limits 
to Canadian citizens, just as much as just as much of the Capitol complex in Washington, D.C. was shut off to Americans for months. In fact, to stoke fear on this side of the border over a potential truck convoy, the Capitol Police, the Gestapo of the Democrat Party, complete with a new spy unit to target Republican lawmakers, is once again threatening to erect temporary fencing around the Capitol building to create more useful optics for the regime. The real siege against democracy did not happen on January 6, 2021, despite the Justice Department's attempt to rebrand its investigation as such. What is happening here, as well as in Canada, is the real siege on political freedom and expression and the last stand of feckless, hypocritical leaders like Biden and Trudeau who've lost the trust of those they were elected to lead. As the great philosopher Victor Davis Hanson observed in his column Monday, North Americans are watching a tragic comedy featuring a cast of clueless Justin Trudeau's and bumbling Joe Biden's who simply cannot fathom why few anymore are listening to them. So like all weak leaders losing their grip on power, they force people to listen the only way they can by the heel of a boot. That's the great political commentator and senior contributor to American Greatness, Julie Kelly, amgreatness.com, article entitled Trudeau-Style Tyranny is already here, and indeed it is. And we got to push back. We have to push back. We have to defend our country, defend our families, defend our children. You know, one of the things that, um, one of the things I want to do as governor of Arkansas is exactly what's going on in Alaska. Hat tip to Christopher Rufo. He had this article, this little tweet from yesterday afternoon. He said, Alaska lawmakers have introduced a curriculum transparency bill that would require public schools to post teaching materials online. Parents have a right to know what the government is teaching their children. Amen, brother. I got to put that on my website. I mean, for that matter, I think there should be closed-circuit security camera cameras in in each public school textroom, public school uh, classroom in the state of Arkansas. Absolutely. I mean, we're past the point where we think that teachers that we don't know and trust should be allowed to indoctrinate their children. No, no. No, no. Absolutely not. That has to come to an end. Absolutely has to come to an end. All right. Um, having said that, once again, we are so honored, delighted, thrilled, blessed to have advertisers on the Doc Washburn Show. They help us be able to do that thing which we do. And I want to send a shout-out to my buddy Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton, Benton, Arkansas. Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. 
really helped me out when I was in two automobile accidents back in 2019, and now the most recent one in December 2021. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin Minton's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton makes sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. So, whether you're in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, and you're in the state of Arkansas, Justin Minton Law is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right, now let me tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. It's called getting your atlas adjusted. You're like, well, what, what's that all about? Okay, well, let's, let's see if I can figure out if maybe you need to get your atlas adjusted. Okay, here's some questions for you. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain? Do you have back pain? When you look at yourself in a picture, do you you lean one way or the other? Okay, look in a mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? The answer to any of those questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines and neck pain. Let me explain how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your circulatory system, your respiratory system, your digestive system, yes, even your reproductive system. And yes, it can cause migraines and neck pain. Do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Surgical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because I'll bet you do. If you're outside central Arkansas, just go to their website, TurnMyPowerOn.com, click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You. And it is my fervent hope that you will be able to find a doctor near you who knows how to adjust the atlas. Again, TurnMyPowerOn.com. You will be glad that you did. I'm excited about that, uh, that idea out of Alaska. The lawmakers introducing a curriculum transparency bill that would require public schools to post teaching materials online. Yes, parents have a right to know what the government is teaching their children. And uh, a big hat tip to Christopher F. Rufo for posting it online because he's the guy that broke the story about critical race theory. He's the guy that has been getting the word out about critical race theory. 
So good job. Good job on that. All right, now, a lot more to talk about. A lot more to talk about. Yeah, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you heard yesterday's podcast, but I just thought it was funny that the British TV station implied, implied that Queen Elizabeth took ivermectin. I thought that was just fantastic. That was just fantastic. Yeah, well, no, they had to. They had to try to uh, back that one up pretty quickly. You know what I'm saying? Yes, they had to back that one up pretty quickly. Okay, I want to share with you the great Ezra Levant, journalist, publisher of Rebel News up in Canada. He was awarded the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal for advancing freedom of expression. Yeah, Trudeau's not too crazy about him these days, though. And his Rebel News a few days ago had the story about leaked messages from police, from the Mounties. Quote, time for the protesters to hear our jackboots on the ground, unquote. And Ezra Levin said, this is the most scandalous story of the trucker rebellion, a WhatsApp chat group of Mounties boasting about the cruelty and violence they plan to use against peaceful protesters and laughing at injuries done to civilians. This was leaked by the one honest cop still in there. And he said the first thing, in the WhatsApp group itself, titled Social Musical Ride 2022, those are the Mounties who specialize in ceremonial parades, but this time they were bought, brought to Ottawa to drive riot horses into the crowds. Looks like about 25 to 50 people in the chat. And he's got a screenshot of a guy named Cat, uh, Constable Andrew Nixon His biggest concern is racking up as much overtime pay as possible. He doesn't want it over too soon. This was a week ago, so mission accomplished, grifter. More screenshots. Some of the chats are the cops just marveling at the fact that they were put up at the most expensive hotel in Ottawa, the Chateau Laurier. But then, more screenshots. It gets darker quickly. Constable Nixon sees himself and the rest of the uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police as fascist punishers. That's their self-image. It's who he thinks they are, and he says it, and he's not corrected. Quote, time for the protesters to hear our jackboots on the ground, unquote. Robin Thibault, a PSYOPs officer, immediately responds, Wow, 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 Nixon. This is a kinder, gentler Royal Canadian Mounted Police. He was joking, and Nixon knew it. 
because Nixon wrote back, quote, okay, we can give out free hugs and unicorn stickers, unquote. And Thibault posts a smiling meme. They're both laughing. Now, being kind or fair or professional is literally a joke to them. They're all in on it. They fake being a professional force. They know that to the public they have to pretend that they are. But when it's just them, 50 of them, they can be themselves, jackbooted thugs. Then a woman named Marka chimes in, just watched that horse video. That is awesome. Three exclamation points. She says we should practice that maneuver. Now, Nixon is excited that someone someone shares his sense of cruelty and punishment. He says, agreed, with three exclamation points. Now, the horse video will be the video where one of the uh, police was horseback on horseback and basically uh, trampled on a woman in a mobility scooter. Then another constable weighs in. Constable Quilly, who has since uh, deleted his Twitter account, he posted that same video, the riot horses charging indiscriminately into the crowd of civilians, stomping on an elderly lady. He posted a video marked, Police horses trample peaceful protesters in Ottawa, and they all cheer. Andy LeClaire says, wow. Scott Peaver says, that's awesome. Chris Russell says, we only think we're living the dream. And the thug, Andrew Nixon, writes, that's what we need to do. They are all morally unfit to be police. They all must be suspended. They felt comfortable talking about their cruelty and unprofessionalism in a large chat group. They personally found joy in the pain and suffering of civilians. They imagined their duty was not to protect and serve, but rather to punish and humiliate people. And then he has a link to a Rebel News article entitled, Stand with Alexa. On February 19, Rebel News journalist Alexa Lavoie was brutally assaulted and targeted by the police while covering the peaceful protests in Ottawa. So, he says, we saw this in action today. We saw police gleefully attacking civilians, inflicting pain and violence on purpose. They bragged about it. They were ostentatious about it. They beat our reporter with a stick and shot her with a riot gun. He says, this was not an accident or a rogue mistake. It was the ideology, the mindset, the plan of these people. You can see when they're talking amongst themselves. But you can also see that Ottawa's dirty police chief and his boss, Bill Blair, and his boss, Justin Trudeau. He says, it's one thing when disgusting journalists laugh at an old lady being knocked over by a riot horse Journalists are the lowest of the low. But these police were doing that. They were celebrating their cruelty. But isn't that what Justin Trudeau taught them to do? Trudeau called the truckers racist, misogynist, Nazis, intolerant, violent, 
dirty, those people, intolerable, etc. So Trudeau dehumanized them. How could you fire these depraved Mounties, but not their leadership that shaped them this way? Ezra, Ezra Levant continues, nothing will come of this. Trudeau handpicked his commissioner of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police to ensure that he is never investigated. Then there's a screenshot of him kissing her on both cheeks in public when she was supposed to be investigating his interference in a different prosecution up there. Normally the media party, pardon me, normally the media party loves to rip apart the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the Canadian Forces, or any other so-called macho bastion they haven't yet completely woke-filled. But, or woke for that matter, but in this case, the cruelty is exactly what they want. They love the violence and bullying. If anything, they'll get promotions. Now, look, I just want to say in the Doc Washburn Show, we support the truckers' convoy in Canada. We support freedom and liberty. And we're probably going to support the truckers' convoy in the U.S. too. I'm just trying to get a hold of somebody with the truckers' convoy in the U.S. to find out what they're all about here. I mean, we know what they were trying to accomplish in Canada, drop the vaccine mandates. I'm not sure. Maybe the same thing here. But we'll find out. We will certainly find out because, again, we're all about freedom and liberty on the Doc Washington Show. No question about it. No question about it. All right, is that? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. Where'd it go? Where'd, no, I can't, I, no, I can't do it without the official announcement. No, I got it. I'm sorry. I thought we had this open and ready to go. We got to have the official announcement. Got to have. Yep. Let it rip, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA which believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the United States, anywhere in the continental United States. So, tweet of the day. Hat tip to a silent majority, the Patriot Cougar, Patriotic Cougar, who links to an article from the Gateway Pundit. Now, the Gateway Pundit sometimes has some kind of unusual stuff, but this is President Trump releasing two short statements this morning that say it all about Biden's America. So, first of all, statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th President of the United States of America under the Save America banner, He says, our country has totally lost its self-confidence. Well, that was part of the Biden plan. 
Okay. The other statement, Putin is playing Biden like a drum, is not a pretty thing to watch. And as Jim Hoff at Gateway Pundit said, President Trump is unfortunately correct in both statements. Biden is the worst thing for America and the world. Yep. Yep, 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 he is. No question about it. Thank you very much, RedRiverYourWay.com, for sponsoring today's tweet of the day, Red River Your Way. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online, have delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States. Somebody on the Podbean app says, Thank you, Governor-elect Doc Washburn. I wanted to be the first to say that. I like the sound of that, too. I do, too. I do, too. And who knows? Because we have dozens of people, dozens of people who have emailed us saying, why can't I contribute to Doc Washburn for Governor online? Who knows? Maybe today will be the day that the donate button finally works. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. We certainly hope so. All righty. You've been listening to the 94th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempio the Tenth. Well, that's the way it is. Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022.